Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. There is a condition that is sweeping the country. It's, it's grabbing both Christians and non-Christians. It's grabbing 25-year-olds. It's grabbing 85-year-olds. And it's this. It's called analysis paralysis. And you can tell if someone's suffering from analysis paralysis, particularly at McDonald's. They're the person at McDonald's where you go up to the line and they're the person looking at the menu like this. And they, they don't ever talk to you. They just wave you on. You, you go, you go. And I don't know, I'm going to have a Big Mac or a McChicken. And it's crippling. Has anyone suffered from analysis paralysis? Yeah, I'm sure there's a few of you here. It's crippling, but look, more seriously, there's the big decisions in life. Um, Whom should I marry? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I fire? Should I keep? Should I sell? Should I stay on? They're the things that we wrestle with, right? And part of the reason why we wrestle with them is when we get to these life situations, we know that in 90% of life situations, there's no simple rule to apply, right? Right? We just need to know how to make the right decision and more importantly, how do we make the right decision when there are multiple right decisions? And that's often the time in which people come say to me as a pastor, hey Sam, what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do in all of this? And my question to them and to you this morning is why are you asking? In what way are you asking? You're asking what is God's will because you want to please him? You want to honour him and you want to love him or because you just want a decision? What are you really asking for? Are you asking for his will or maybe, maybe you're asking for wisdom? Wisdom, remember, is both insight and application, having the right insight and knowing the right context to apply. Wisdom, um, insight is understanding that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not to put it in the fruit salad. And so we come to this question this morning, just as a one-off sermon, because it comes up all the time pastorally, time and time again, right? When we're faced with these decisions, we ask, Lord, what is your will for my life? Now, um, let me frame this up for you, because I, I, I want to frame, frame this up properly. And here's, here's what I mean by this. Say that I went and, and I showed you a concrete room. There's a concrete room. There's a flickering fluoro light with one of those cages, a few cracks in the wall. What I've said, there's your room. How would you react? Or you need a bit more context. Let's say I said, here's a concrete room, flickering light, cage for the floor. And I said, here's here's your honeymoon suite. How would you react? You see how our expectations actually influence the way that we relate to exactly the same situation. So the question is, what is your expectation of God when you ask him, what is my will for life? Let me frame it up really early for you so you know that we're going this morning. The guidance of God is not something that he gives, it's something that he does. I'll say it again, the the guidance of God is not something that he gives, it's actually something that he does. God wants you to become his primary will. If you want to know what the will of God is, God's will is you become the sort of person that learns how to discern his will. God's desire is that you're, you are the sort of person who knows how to work things out. I mean, like, it's okay for a little kid to come and say, Daddy, can I go play at 5.30 at night, just before dinner? 
It's not appropriate for a 55-year-old to say, Mubby, Daddy, can I go play? Right? What would mum and dad say then? Work it out for yourself. You should know this by now. God's guidance is something that he does. It's not something that he necessarily gives. Now, look, you know, when you see people, non-Christians, when they get a clairvoyance or a, a palm reader, or on the other side of the spectrum, when you get Christians that come to church and say, you know what, this morning I just, I just need a word from the Lord on this particular issue in my life. What, what they're doing in that is, it's the same basic impulse and it's this. What a person like that is saying is, I want, I want, I want a shortcut, I want a technique. Can you just give me the technique to work out how I make... I just push this, the, the decision into the grid and it flows through and I can work out what it is. Give, give it to me. I just, I just need a technique, right? And their expectation in all of that is that the wisdom of God, the guidance of God is actually a doorway, not a path. That it's something that you can just go in and you work it out either way. That's why here in Proverbs 16 says... In their hearts, a person plans their course, but the Lord directs their steps. Life, as we're learning, is a series of left, right, left, right, left, right. It's a pathway of small steps that we have to make. You don't want to hear this, do you? Some of you, some of you this morning coming here going, I, I just needed a map. Just give me the technique. <laughs> I came for that sermon. Don't give me this one. You're wriggling out of this, Sam. No, but look, whenever I read the Bible, I see all the time that the Bible doesn't tell you how to get God's guidance. It tells you how to be the kind of person who learns to discern his will. We don't like it. We're very Western. We say, how can I face death? How can I face this decision? How can I face this discomfort? And the Bible constantly says, here's the type of character that you need to be. And you're saying, character? I don't, I don't want any of that. I need this tomorrow. <laughs> I've got, I got big things I've got to deal with. I need this now. Just give me something now. And it doesn't work that way. But have you ever noticed how uh, particularly motivational speakers, and dare I say it, some types of churches play on this deep yearning of our heart? Where they say, hey, you know, come to my course. You only have to pay $5,000 and I can give you the six steps to how to live a successful life. And you're going to get that within six days. Dare I say that there are churches that, that major on the pastor getting in the way or promoting himself as an oracle of the Lord that is able to tell you these things. We're not going to be one of those churches. It's not what I see in the word of God. But it plays on this deep yearning that we, we want a technique. We want to work this through. Because it's like this. Imagine this is the book that you see at Dimmicks. You go out there shopping at Chatswood Chase today and you see this book in Dimmicks. There it is, right on, right on the shelf there in the self-help section. It says, how to, how to live a successful life in 80 years of hard work and pain. <laughs> That'll be going off the shelf like hotcakes, wouldn't it? <laughs> Who can relate to a book that's a bit like that? Any of you, the B-52 bombers, remember? Or you wise ones that are up there at that end of the, spec, the, end of the auditorium. You get this, right? You get this. Wisdom comes from this painstaking grind of working this out. God's guidance is not something that he gives you. It's something that he does. Can we set that up first? We've got the right expectation with this? So some of you are saying, don't wriggle out of it. How then, how then can I work out how to get that? 
You're the practical ones. You want the three points this morning. How do I, how do I get God's will? How does this work? Here's the first thing we need to also understand from this passage because it's quite paradoxical. You know, we, we're either Macbeth or McFly. We're either Macbeth or McFly when we think about our futures and how God works in this. We either think that we're Macbeth over here. When shall we three meet again in thunder, lightning or in rain? When the hurly burly's done? You know that bit of Macbeth? There we shall meet with Macbeth. You know how Macbeth is just one whole two-hour painstaking long story of how he pretty much just walks into a future that was already determined for him, right? So there is some end of the spectrum that thinks, hey, your future's fixed. That God is ordaining all things and your future is fixed. And then there's the McFlies over here, the modern generation, where Doc says, Marty, your future is what you make it. So make it a good one. And so that's the line of thinking that says, well, we're free to make our own choices. That we're free to shape our futures. We've got the dream boards. We've got the goals. And we've got all the... We, our future's free, right? Which Class, which one is it? Hey, would it surprise you if Proverbs, what we've just read, says it's both? Have a look at it again. It says in here, In their hearts a human plans their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Here's the first thing that happens. In their hearts a human plans their course. In other words, it is McFly. You are free to make all sorts of decisions. You are free to shape futures, to develop yourself, to establish goals, to dream big, to do things for God. You're free. But then it says, even after you make that free choice, but then the Lord directs their steps. How does that work? That's oil and water to us. How's that, how's that anyone got a theological nosebleed yet? <laughs> how, does, how does that work? Here's how this works. In your heart, you plan your course. In other words, your decisions are yours. But the Lord directs your steps. In other words, his decisions are his. Here's how it works. God so transforms your personal decisions in such a way as to influence your future that he still fixes everything. You make choices, you make decisions, you dream. You, there are consequences to those decisions, as some of you may well know. But God is the one in his what we call sovereign hand who works out how those decisions will play itself out in history. And so it's both. Both McFly and Macbeth. Your decisions matter, but God has the final say. In other words, the Bible is saying that we are absolutely free and we are absolutely determined at the same time. Now, this, this is a bit of a head spin, but in light of that, can you hold this intention now? Because now we're going to talk about the three steps. How do you become a person of guidance? Here's the way. If that is true, that your decisions are yours, that God is is playing out your plans in your future in a way that he so determines. How do you become a person of guidance? Here's the first step. You bet in the basics. You bet in the basics. Psalm 25 has a great verse that says, Who then is, is a person that fears the Lord? For he will instruct him in the ways chosen for him. So in other words, what the psalmist is saying there, the psalmist is saying, before I want to know from you, God, who I should marry, which job I should take, which person to keep, which person to fire, which business to sell, which business to buy, before I ask you any of those questions about your planned will for my life, I'm going to ask you and ask you about your revealed will for my life. My kids have a revealed will. It's called dinner, bath, book and bed. Okay, 
Dinner, bath, book, bed. Dinner, bath, book, bed. Dinner. That's my revealed will. So it's silly if my little guy comes up to me after dinner and says, Dad, what do you want me to do? You know the song? Dinner, bath, book, bed. Friends, this is something for you to think through now. How many of you, and be honest with yourself, how many of you, when you come up to a tough life decision, go off asking God for his planned will for your life and take little or no time to sit down and bed yourself in his revealed will? You know what this book is? Christians call it the Bible. This is called dinner, bath, book, bed. <laughs> right? God says, kids... Seriously, before you ask me anything about what you want to do next, just get the basics down in terms of you should know this stuff by now. Now, ironically, there's a great New Testament example that highlights this point in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. The writer there says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the word of righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained their faculties to distinguish between good and evil. Right? So you hear that? Your faculties mean your, your, your ability to distinguish what God's will and the difference between right and bad and a good decision and a bad decision because you've trained your faculties to make a distinction. You know that you know. Now, it's a bit like this. I, I, some of you may not know, but I'm trilingual. I try and speak a lot of different languages. <laughs> So I, I try and speak French. <laughs> See, I speak French. I love the sound of French. Don't you love the sound of French? It's a beautiful language. And so being trilingual, whenever I hear French, I, I hear a lot of beautiful language, but I can't distinguish. And I can't distinguish. How, how would I possibly distinguish word from word? I, I only get sentences at the moment. How do I distinguish? I bed myself in the basics. I, I learn the words. First, and then I learned the sentence structure. Then I learned how to put those sentences together and I learned context. And I do this painstakingly over a long period of time. I mean, like, think of it this way would I still have trained my faculties if I just went and bought an English French dictionary and then I stayed in that for about, I don't know, five minutes once a week on a Sunday? I got a couple of words that came back and. Right? I still wouldn't be able to, I still wouldn't be able to distinguish. Friends, how many of you think, you come in here and go, look, I, I, it's great at Northside, I, I, I get an inspiring word. I, that's great, thank you. Or, I, I, yeah, I read my Bible for five minutes in a given week. How, how can you train your faculties to distinguish? So see the first one, bed yourself in the basics. Before you go asking God for his planned will for your life, have you bedded yourself in his revealed will? For your life. Oh, we don't like to hear this. <laughs> we want to know now. <laughs> don't we? We want to know now. But that's the first thing, betting the basics. Here's the second thing. Once you've trained your faculties, here's the most crucial thing in all. This is how you solve analysis paralysis, right? You ready for it? Just make a decision. <laughs> make a decision. Oh, just do something. Make, make a decision. Move forward. Become a person of wisdom. And you know what I'm finding out in life through my own journey is that maybe some of the only times that you can become a, a person of wisdom is to make a wrong decision and be humbled. 
Anyone ever had that experience where you've made a stupid small decision now and you look back on it, it was 10 years ago, and you say to yourself, Lord, thank you that I made that stupid decision because if I hadn't made that dumb one, I wouldn't have had the wisdom to make the right one here. Anyone ever done that? Mm. (laughs) So make a decision. Because if, remember, that your decisions are yours and God's decisions are his and in his sovereign hand he is covering all of this in, in order to bring about his plans and purposes for the good of all those that love him, remember, then just make a decision and see what happens in all. And that's why you know, I've said before, the way that we sum this up is that if God is sovereign in all of this, then he can make your bad decisions good and your good decisions better. And so you can't go wrong. Make a decision. Make a decision because you are floating in his River of sovereignty. It's like being in a canoe in the middle of the Barrington River. I mean, you're getting analysis paralysis as to whether I make three paddles to the right or three paddles to the left. You're in the middle of the river. There is a directionality to which you are headed as God's child. And so make a decision. Be safe in that. Now, if you get that, here's the third thing that allows you to do. Relax. I just watched everyone's shoulders just do this now. Oh. Just relax. If God is sovereign, if God is working these things out, his plans and purposes for your life, relax because if your faculties really are in good shape, if you are making decisions knowing that he is sovereign, then you can relax. And here's the thing. You, 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 to what extent are we getting analysis paralysis as Christians because really the harder un- under all of that is that we really want to be in control. We've got analysis paralysis because I want to control my life. I I want a future that is free of pain and discomfort and and bad things happening to me. I want to be in control. I want to navigate this life safely. (laughs) And Jesus is pragmatic about it. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Cheer up. I've overcome the world. So you relax into this. You never... You never set your feelings over and against the word of God. You never set your feelings over and against his, his sovereignty and his prompting. You mustn't, you mustn't take a feeling of you and think it's a, prom- a strong prompting and say, oh yeah, that must be the will of God. But as you get closer to him, as you do the time, as you learn, as you bet in the basics, you do find a dynamic in your life where you do become the sort of person who is naturally making wise decisions. And I see many of them in this place. It's why I ask them questions. So relax. Relax and know that if you move to that point, who gets the guidance of God? It's the ones who think because they're bedded in the basics and they're they, they have trained their faculties. Relax because the ones who are making decisions know that they are paddling in the river of God's sovereignty. That either way, there is a directionality of goodness in their life, no matter how it feels at the moment. Just relax because you know if you train well enough into all of that, then God will bring about the right things in your life. Relax. Now, now this... this there's, there's, some, there's some people here this morning who they're almost yelling in their head because they're saying, well, Sam, what, what, good, what good is that for me? What, what happens when I've got a decision where no good can come out of either pathway of the decision that I've got to make? 
Yeah, it's all very well. You're young. You've got years ahead of you. You can work this out. But what about a decision where there is nothing good that is going to come out of what we're doing in this moment? And I want to show you God, God sent uh, someone down to deal with that. Some of you are saying, I've got, I've got to make a decision in all of this. I'm in the middle of a deep depression. I've got to shut my business down in order to minimize an inescapable loss. I've got a financial issue I can't get my way out of. I've got a health crisis I can't get my way out of. How the heck do I deal with that sort of decision? Relax. God sent someone down, someone to show us how we work through all this sort of stuff. Here he is up on the screens. Mr. Squiggle. Now, I'm conscious at Northside, we always have a bunch of expats with us who have moved into the area and travelling with us, so allow, allow me to explain this Australian phenomenon. Mr Squiggle was a puppet. Basically, he, you, kids would, three-year-olds would hand him in a, a, a blank sheet of paper with a bit of messy scribbles on it, and he would, he would go through and he would start drawing on the paper, and at the, at the end of drawing on the paper for about five minutes, what would he say, church? Upside down upside down and he would turn the picture upside down and it would be this beautiful artwork and illustration that he's made out of all of these messy squiggles the guy was a miracle worker he's sort of the closest to Jesus isn't he that we've had in life sent down from heaven to work it all out Hey, um, for some of you there there are black marks in your life there are bad decisions There are horrible circumstances. There are stuff-ups that you think are irreversible. My promise to you is this, this is a God who can make your bad decisions good and your good decisions better in his sovereignty, then the, the best is yet to come. This is the God with all of the power in the world to come in and take all of the junk and all the messed upness in your life and all of the bad decisions in your life and work through and move to a point that when you're in him he says upside down (laughs) he is the one who is making all things new and if you are the one who thinks well what do I do If, if no good can come out of this decision look there is an ultimate Mr. Squiggle He sat in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. If it's possible, take this cup from me. We worship a God who sat in the middle of a garden sweating blood because no decision in front of him at that time, any good could possibly come out of it. What did he do in that moment? Did Jesus say, walks back to the disciples, boys, I didn't go through with it. I just didn't have a peace about it. (laughs) No way. Verse 3 says, commit your plans to the Lord and he will establish your plans. Commit their means not to go and present that to Lord and saying, can you just blow some magic fairy dust on my plans and make them successful? The commitment to roll over onto the way that you move from one foot to the other means to commit to bear all of your weight upon. He committed his plans to the Lord. No good could come out of this decision. And then three days later, as he walked out of that tomb, the great God said, upside down, didn't he? Friends, last time I checked, the pattern of success in life biblically is always a resurrection success. 
and I'm finding more and more in my own life that it has to mean a death to my own plans and my own agenda for my life. Maybe like this morning, I should start calling life an adventure. I like that. There is always a, there was always a, a, a resurrection success when there is a death to your own agenda and you commit all of that unto God. What it means practically for you is you bring all of these decisions and you say, Lord, I don't know which way to take. I believe this is the best decision to make, but I leave it with you. And if you bless it, you bless it. But if you don't, I refuse to fail to imagine that there is not some greater plan and purpose down the track in all of this for me. So uh, this guy turns up into the South American jungle. It's so thick you can hardly see 10 metres in front and he's driving through down a dirt road. The monsoonal rains are starting to come in. He just gets to the last outpost of civilization. He's got no idea where he's going, and then thankfully he sees a local. Some real Spanish y old looking guy with, with a beard. He just looks local. And he says, Look, I I I I, I wanna I wanna head to this mountain here. Can you can you draw me a map? And and the local says, Oh well, senor, that's that's very that's very, very tricky. But I'll draw you a map. And so he he he, he starts drawing the map and it's detailed and it's intricate and he works it all through and then then he gets about five minutes into this as he can see the driver's looking quite confused at all of his scribbles on the page and he says this, you know what, you know what, you know what'll be easier? Why don't I just hop in with you? So he comes round in and, and he hops in the car and it means that the driver takes off and he's still on his adventure and he's still looking for the, for the mountain but because he doesn't have the map anymore, he's got the guide and it means that he just has to listen to the guide, turn left here, turn right there, he's got no idea where he's going. He's got no map, he's got no sense of what's happening. He's totally within the trust of the guide. Go here, go here, but he's local, he knows what he's doing. Look, guys, some of you might come into a message like this. You might come into church this morning looking for a map. I'm here to say to you, Jesus, Jesus came down to earth not to give you a map, but to be your guide. And so, friends, what it means, if you are checking out Christianity this morning, stop asking for a map. There is no map for this thing called life. The only one who understands that is the one who is working out all of the plans and purposes for those who love him. Don't ask for a map. Come to the guide. Come to Jesus Christ this morning. Receive his his saviour. Allow him to be in the driver's seat and give you the direction in your life. Friends, it means for us followers, (laughs) um, we've just got to listen a bit more, don't we? We've just... We've just got to come to realise that, yes, there are things that we can chart and work out, but, but how often throughout the week, throughout the months, throughout the times that we have with him, we've been given the ultimate thing of all, not the map, but the guide himself. Come back to him this morning as we have this time of ministry, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.